Is this a spiritual podcast? <laughs> sure is. You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio, the realest conversation on spirituality, finding your truth, and creating a life that honors your soul. I'm your host, Megan Hale, and together we'll grow in more faith, more love, and doing our holy work in the world. We've always been holy, and we were born to be wild. Permission to be both is granted. This episode is brought to you by Wild and Holy Weekend, a spiritual retreat for women ready to live their truth and express it in the world by being their fullest expression. You can find out more on how to join me in Austin, Texas, September 22nd through 24th by visiting wildandholyweekend.com. Happy Monday, friends. Oh my goodness, we have the eclipse today. And normally I'm not one to be affected by celestial energy, but I am feeling it today and it is kind of wacky. I don't know if it's because I'm a Leo and this eclipse is happening in Leo. I don't know. I'm going to go read up a little bit more about it, but I hope wherever you are, you get to witness this amazing celestial event today. You know, if I were to be home in Charleston, I would be right in the direct path, but unfortunately I am in Texas, so I'll be talking to my parents later on today to see if they were able to see everything because I think they're supposed to actually have some storms and I am praying that the weather holds off so they get a good view of this full eclipse. So today's episode is going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of knowledge <laughs> that I'm going to be sharing with you guys on how we maintain intimacy in our relationships during times of deep spiritual growth. Um, following the events of Charlottesville, I had several of you guys reach out to me asking me, you know, how do I have these difficult conversations with my partner? What if we're on opposing sides? What if their outrage or anger does not match mine? Like, how do I navigate all of this? And what's happening in your relationship in this instance, or could be happening, is that you're awakening to something um, you're starting to feel the emotional impact of a new paradigm that's opening up for you. And your partner might not be experiencing that same paradigm yet. And so your expansion, your spiritual expansion, could be actually happening at different speeds. And this can create some distance between you and your partner. So I really wanted to come and speak to that specifically, which we're going to do at the end of this episode. But I really want to talk about in general, when we're going through spiritual growth, when we are shifting and evolving as humans, how do we maintain relationships? Because this is a big one. Um, all through our life, we're going to continue to change and evolve and shift and expand. And when we're in long-term relationships, you know, most of us want to make sure that our, our partner or our friends or our family members are coming along with us. <laughs> we don't want to outgrow um, the people that we love. So there are no foolproof guarantees <laughs> that we won't outgrow the people that we love. But the tools I'm going to be sharing with you today are some of the best things that I have implemented in my own relationships to help maintain intimacy during times of big growth and expansion. And I hope that they're useful for you. 
So um, where I really want to start today is just kind of tell you a little bit about the way that I view the world because I think it will be helpful. So the way I view everything is through a relationship lens, okay? We create our life experiences by how we choose to relate to them. We create our personal relationships by how we choose to relate to others. We create either the deepest self-love or the deepest self-loathing by how we choose to relate to ourselves, our inner voice, and our insecurities, including shame. And we control our capacity for faith, trust, grace, and surrender by how we choose to relate to our spirituality, to our spiritual belief system, right? To God, the universe, source, spirit, whatever word feels truly resonant for you. So our worlds, you guys, are created based on relationships. And there are so many things that go into learning how to relate to things in a way that helps us feel empowered from the stories we create about our life events, the narratives we tell ourselves that explain someone's words or behaviors or sometimes the lack of their words or lack of behaviors. But relationships are way more than simply being aware of our stories and narratives. They're also about building in healthy communication, choosing to see the people we love through the best light, giving the people we love the benefit of the doubt, having healthy boundaries, knowing how to resolve conflict quickly and assertively, that creates space for more intimacy instead of separation. And, oh my goodness, I, now I've spent the grand majority of the past 17 years learning how to have healthier relationships. Um, for much of my young adulthood especially, you know, my life was littered with broken friendships, horrendous relationships with my parents, codependent relationships with romantic partners, and an angry, resentful, closed-off relationship with the God I was taught to believe in, okay? So where we're going in today's episode builds upon a lot of the tools and skills that I teach my clients, especially the couples that I work with, to have better communication, one, but also how to stay in the room when conflict arises, how to have difficult conversations, and how to create space for both you and them to change and evolve in such a way where you don't outgrow each other. You know, most of us want long-term relationships. We not build out of obligation, <laughs> but build out of healthy love. You know, we want our marriages to last. We want our friendships to maintain. And we want our relationships with our family members to be something we can cherish and lean on. And the fact is, is that we all need people to help us meet our basic human needs of love and belonging. There's a lot of internal work that we can do to, to meet these needs, but we are built for connection with other people. So today's episode is going to be a blend of some of my most potent relationship skills, as well as diving into creating a healthy relationship environment where both people are allowed to be wild and holy. So are you guys ready? <laughs> Let's dig in. So we've just wrapped up a powerful three-part series on the three spiritual shifts accompanying expansion. And as a recap, we've talked about paradigm shifts, shifting our TFDs, and embodiment. And we've talked about how each of these shifts change the way we walk through the world, 
And we've also talked about how these shifts at a company expansion actually change the person that we are. They allow us to become. And this allows us to change not only how we relate to ourselves, but also to the world. And these shifts are huge. They are monumental. It's these exact processes we go through to evolve to a next version of ourselves. And when we're in relationship with anyone, whether it be a parent, a friend, or a romantic partner, it is crucial that we build in healthy communication as we're evolving so we don't get to this place where our loved ones like no longer know who we are <laughs> or we feel that we've outgrown them. Okay, So today's episode is how we actually stay in relationship with the people we love while also evolving. This is both and, right? And then I'll be wrapping up with some tools to use in your own relationships to discuss big topics that are extremely, extremely relevant in recent events. So we're going to talk about how we find common ground when our political views differ, how to talk about racism and white supremacy and white privilege, which are usually very emotionally charged concepts for a lot of us. Um, how to give your partner the benefit of the doubt when their growth doesn't match your own, as well as point out some things that are not helpful <laughs> in trying to bring your loved one along with you as you are awakening to new truths. Because sometimes knowing what not to do can be just as helpful as knowing the right course of action to take. So where I wanted to start today's episode is really with a personal story of mine. So in 2009, eight years ago, I met my husband out at a bar for the first time, and it was a neighborhood bar that many pilots frequented, and truth be told, I did not want to go out that night. <laughs> I had just been serving oysters on the half shell and shots and drinks for like eight hours straight in the oyster bar I was working in in downtown Charleston, and the last thing I wanted to do on a busy Friday night is go and be around lots of other people because I've been around people for hours, <laughs> but she begged me just enough that I finally said, okay, and we went to this bar. And back then, I was in my prime of drinking. I alternated between Adderall and cocaine every now and then just to break out the monotony of the drink, the drinking. And I remember feeling like as far from God or like my spiritual self as one could be, and there wasn't really any urgency to be any different. Like I was still doing like a lot of personal growth, but it did not have the spiritual edge at all. And I was still really closed off from that. Um, the pain I was still carrying from a string of broken relationships was enough to make me still want to numb. And even though on the outside I was progressing well in life through grad school and making top grades, on the inside I still felt like really broken and kind of like a train wreck. So I hadn't come to this place where I had made peace with a lot of my demons. I still hadn't come to a place where I really believed self-love was possible. And I definitely had not come to this place where I truly understood the meaning that no one would ever be able to love you enough to suffice for loving yourself. And my relationships totally showed it. <laughs> I depended on others to be my mirror of self-worth. I mean, anytime conflict would show up in my life, I would be terrified of confronting it because what if I made it worse? What if I ended up getting in a huge fight and there was a falling out? And I was so deeply scared of being abandoned 
because this would be just another reason as if I didn't already have enough already to believe I wasn't enough. And so I often shoved my feelings aside. I settled for far less than I deserved. And I found myself in toxic relationships where the other person <laughs> had just as unhealthy relationship skills as I did. And it was a freaking mess, like just a mess. So when I met my husband, I remember feeling like everything was just so foreign about him. You know, he didn't seem to play the same games as other people did. And instead of finding myself staying the night every night right away, like I had in previous relationships, because I would just like cling on to somebody because I needed that person to feel okay. I found him overseas for weeks on end where I literally could not be codependent. And so the interesting thing about this is, you know, I had used sex for so long to build intimacy and relationships, and I didn't have that anymore because we, we had all these, we had oceans between us. And I found myself like in a completely different relationship than I ever had, where I actually had to be with myself and fulfill some of my own emotional needs because he literally was not there to do it for me. And this was back before we had overseas FaceTime and text messages, like we just had email back then, and he didn't always have access to email. So I would go days without talking to him, right? So if you want to talk about a situation that brings up all your stuff, <laughs> this was it. <laughs> and, and as I look back now, you know, God totally knew what she was doing because the wisdom of this match created such a perfect storm for me to come face to face with all these toxic patterns I'd relied upon previously. And oh my gosh, this always ended up in really painful relationships. So my husband in many ways was the catalyst that brought me back to God, but not because he was deeply um, you know, connected to God at that time. He wasn't um, practicing spirituality. It was because of the way he loved me and the way God loved me through him. And you guys know that I've talked about um, losing my friend when I was 23 and how that was a really big catalyst for a lot of my spiritual growth. So that was in 2006. So I met my husband three years later. And when I, when I met him, you know, the anger and resentment that used to burn fiercely through me had turned to smoldering coals at this point. I mean, there was still a lot of heat, <laughs> but not near the intensity of the inferno they'd once been towards God, okay? So for the first time, I ended up finding myself in healthy love. And I mean, we hardly fought, which for the longest time, I thought that was really odd. And I would, I would pick fights because I thought that was normal. And then I would realize that, that was totally self-sabotaging because I'm trying to like keep somebody away. Like there was a whole lot of vulnerability learning back then of how to let somebody in and how to like be how to open myself to hurt and heartache and realizing like you can't fully love unless you take that risk. Right. And I had to learn how to fight differently, communicate differently, stay in the room when things got tough instead of running away, I had to learn how to be vulnerable and let somebody in. But more than that, this relationship, I really learned how to love, like help, like really love, like not, not codependent love, but healthy interdependent freeing, expansive love. And it was this kind of love that has given me the radical opinion that it isn't always about loving ourselves first to find ourselves in healthy love. Sometimes it takes healthy love to have the courage to truly love ourselves. And that's how it was for me. And it was life-changing and it continues to be life-changing. 
So I share this story with you to give you a picture of where I was then when I met my husband, <laughs> who I was then, because if you compare it to who I am now, like it is vastly, vastly different. I mean, I've gone on several spiritual journeys since then, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about today. Uh, and they were all encompassed in the same relationship. And we've, we've grown closer over the past eight years, even though I've changed immensely. And as I look back as to how this has all been possible, you know, there have been several threads that have supported this, this intimacy through growth, which I think are valuable lessons for any relationship. Because as I look at, you know, how I've maintained closeness with my family and with friends, even though like we, we've differed on so many different levels, um, there's, there's a lot of threads that are common in all of these relationships. So I kind of wanted to outline them for you today and talk about what our relationships need in order for both people to be able to evolve and expand on their authentic path. Okay. So Here's, here's the first thing. So spiritual expansion requires vulnerability. And it not only requires us to be vulnerable, and I don't know if it really requires us as much as it just makes us be vulnerable. <laughs> because when we go through a paradigm shift, when we're shifting TFTs, when we're trying to master this new way of being in the world, moving towards embodiment, it's a very vulnerable process in and of itself, especially when we go through big shifts that really shake us at our core, that make the ground we're walking on just feel like totally different and new and we're in this place of growth and not really knowing how we think or feel about things that's vulnerable in and of itself so it can be excruciating to share this internal process with somebody else especially when you don't know how they're going to respond to it but I can tell you if we are able to show up and be vulnerable and really share our internal world with the people that we love as we're experiencing it this is what allows people to come along the journey with us. And one of the things that I see that breaks down in relationships over time is that we stop sharing our internal world with each other. And this is what builds connection. This is what builds intimacy. So even though it's a very vulnerable time when you're going through a paradigm shift, for instance, or you're working on those TFDs, it's actually a critical point to be sharing the inner workings of this with your partner. Because here's the other thing that happens. What I've noticed is that when we are going through something big and we're not opening up, we're not talking about it, we can get angry at the people we love for not showing up for us in the way that we need them when we need them. And this, and I've got stuck here so many times, this really is not fair to our partner because we're asking them to just know when to show up, how to show up, what's even going on with us without us communicating it. So the other piece of this is communication is key. Like we have to start talking about what is going on inside of us and having these conversations. So as I look back on all the different <laughs> evolutions of self I've had the past eight years and talking to Breck about this stuff, you know, when I would notice that a shift was happening, I would talk to him about it, say, you know, I'm feeling kind of kind of weird about this, or I'm starting to think about this differently, or what do you think about this? And what this does is it allows the people that you love to track with you. And so they're a part of your evolution. They see how 
like the, all the little tiny steps that occur during a process of expansion. And so what this does is it allows people to come along with us <laughs> instead of like us blocking them out for months and months or even years. And then they're like, who are you anymore? Because they haven't been aware of all the internal processes. Expansion is an internal experience. So if we're not communicating that internal experience, how can anybody else know what is shifting and expanding and evolving and growing within us, right? So communication is key. And one of the things that I think prevents us from communicating um, our expansive process is one, we're not really sure how we think or feel about things. <laughs> and we're not sure how our partner is going to think or feel about things either. And one of the things that happens a lot is we get kind of protective over this space and we kind of make up or assume how our partner is going to think or feel about something before actually giving them an opportunity to have their own experience or response with it. Okay. And here's a perfect example. So two years ago, three years ago, I started exploring um, crystals in my spiritual practice, which is something I, I never thought I would do. I've always looked at that as something is like totally woo, right? And here I was starting to get a little bit more curious about it. And, you know, I remember telling Breck, I'm like, so I, <laughs> there's this store, there is this like metaphysical store and we kept on driving past it. And I was like, you know, I feel like I kind of want to go in that store. And he was like, why? You know, there's probably some really weird stuff in there. And I was like, I don't know. I just kind of want to go take a peek and see what's happening in there, you know? And he was like, okay. And so, you know, I'm kind of warming him up to this idea that I'm curious about exploring some new and different things. And then I remember coming home with my first few crystals and I was telling him about them and like his eyes got so big. He was like, what is happening right now? And I was, I remember being really clear. I was like, you know, I don't really know how I feel about this. I just kind of want to explore it. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I'll touch base with you, you know, as this kind of evolves. And he's all right. Okay. So we have like this open communication line, right? While I'm exploring crystals and how you use them and what their purpose is and all of this stuff. And, you know, then I started making crystal grids and kind of, I guess, integrating them more into my spiritual practice and really kind of learning a little bit more about them. I'm still by no means an expert and I don't really use them all the time. Um, but this has kind of been an evolution. And I remember, you know, every day I was pregnant with, with my youngest one, I would sit out in the morning and, you know, I would hold a crystal and I would do my meditation and you know, I had started chanting back then. Um, so really exploring a lot of different spiritual tools to connect deeper um, with God or the universe. And, you know, Brock's watching all this stuff. <laughs> He's like, what is, like, where are you with all this? What is going on? And it kind of made him uncomfortable a little bit. Because this is very different than how a lot of mainstream people um, practice spirituality, right? Like mainstream people go to church and they read sacred texts, they have traditional worship. So this is, this is different, right? And I recognize that. So just having this communication open, being vulnerable with it, and letting him have his own experience about it, because I remember I was like so scared <laughs> to kind of talk to him about this stuff because I, I didn't know how he was going to respond, and I thought that he was going to think it was stupid, which... He might have. I don't know. That's not how he chose to respond to it, though. And so coming back to the idea, like it's really important for us not to assume how someone's going to think or feel or respond to something. 
is really, really important. And it gives them the opportunity to have their authentic reaction. And they might surprise you. They might be a lot more open and supportive than you think, but if you never give them the chance, then you're taking that chance away from yourself too. So being vulnerable during points of expansion, really, really important. Communicating as you're exploring and evolving and not really sure like where you stand with stuff, right? This is, this is huge. And then I, the other thing I think that has been really helpful is giving myself a whole lot of permission to explore not not needing to to make it right or wrong or good or bad like i'm just putting my toe in the water and seeing how that feels and having a partner that gives you permission to explore too i think is really um, important and the way that we can bring our partner on on board with that is asking for what we need from them so when we're going through an exploration which is part of the expansion, right, that happens after a paradigm shift, we need to tell our partner what's happening within us, <laughs> and then we need to ask for what we need from them. So in many cases, most of us simply need to know that like, hey, I'm just exploring this. I just need some, some room to kind of to do this, and I'll touch base with you. I'll let you know what's happening, right? So we're asking for that support from our partner. Um, I think one of the things that is really big, especially in romantic relationships, is that we usually get into partnership based on who somebody is at that time. Not like knowing that people are going to change and evolve, right? Because we all change and evolve. <laughs> but we have to change and evolve kind of together and give each other permission to change and evolve to follow their authentic path. This is what gives both people their room and space to be their wild fullest expression right and that's incredibly important for healthy relationships to feel like you can be who you are um, be seen for who you are be heard for who you are be supported and and celebrated for who you are this is a big piece but we have to bring other people along for the ride with us in order to help create that so the other thing that i think is incredibly important with all this is as you're going through uh, an expansion, it's really important to touch base with your partner about how, like where you are with things now, okay? So for instance, I started going back to church this year, which we've talked about several times in the podcast and all of the things that were happening with that. And as I was awakening to that, having those paradigm shifts, I was talking to Breck about it. You know, I was talking about the feelings that were coming up watching the campaign trail and how it was making me feel. I was talking to him about my experience reading Love Warrior and how Glennon just brought up so many powerful concepts that I had personally experienced but had never really had the words to describe. And I'm telling him about all this stuff that's coming up for me, like around the misogyny and, and the way that it's embedded in, in a lot of religions and patriarchal religions, right? And I'm telling him about all this stuff. And then I also mentioned like, oh my gosh, like Glennon mentions this church in her book. Like, I wonder if there's a church out there for me. I wonder if that's something that I need to do. So the whole time I'm bringing him along with me, right? And when it comes to checking out church, I was really clear about what I needed from him. So for me in January, when I started exploring this stuff, it was like, I really am doing this for myself. This is for my own healing. Um, 
I don't need you to come with me. I don't want you to come with me if it's out of obligation. If you're curious, like when I find a church that I feel like comfortable in and you want to come check it out, that'd be great. Um, but we'll just kind of see how we go. And that's really all I needed from him. I just needed like a safe space to explore this stuff, right? And so then when I found the Unity Church in New Braunfels, um, I remember calling him. I said, I think this is the church. Like this is where I feel just, I don't know, like something happened to me today. I just feel like I'm home. I feel really safe here. And so then, you know, he started coming with me. And it's not something that we do every single Sunday. It's something that we flex and flow with. Like we're not really um, super regimented about it. But through this process, like, he's really, really surprised me because he's like, sometimes he'll say, hey, do you want to go to church today? I'm like, wow, that's so cool, you know? So I think one of the things that's helped us do that is simply talking, being in communication, giving each other permission and freedom to explore our spiritual selves and what helps us feel most whole. So touching base, though, is really important because like about a month ago, he's like, so how are you feeling with this whole church thing? Because, you know, last year you're doing crystals and now we're going to church. Like, how does all this stuff fit together? And that was a really good point for us to kind of touch base with how all of these things are integrating, right? Because expansion, there's a lot of integration that happens as we continue to explore and continue to open our minds and our hearts to new ideas and new perspectives. So touching base helps us maintain that connection and that intimacy to know who we're married to, right? And this goes for any relationship. I know we're talking about it in the confines of marriage or romantic partnership, but this is these skills are helpful for any type of relationship. So throughout this process, when we're maintaining intimacy in our relationships, when we're continuing to evolve and grow, um, you know, we can grow to the point where maybe we're not the same, like I'm definitely not the same person that my husband married. (laughs) I know that for sure. And some people change and grow a lot. Some people don't change and grow as much. And it's not better or worse or good or bad. It's just simply different. But I think that if you want a shot at maintaining intimacy and growth, it's about bringing people along with you, maintaining that open communication as you're exploring, as you're expanding, touching base, as you're integrating new things, as you're embodying new things, because it allows them to track with you and grow with you. And no doubt your spiritual growth, your spiritual expansion is going to have an impact on the relationship. And it can have a positive impact. It can have a negative impact. And That doesn't necessarily mean that you guys are going to continue to grow together. Sometimes people grow apart, and that's okay. I think what's most important is that you have to follow your authentic path if you are going to feel loved. Like, we have to have room to be ourselves in our relationships. Being in a relationship where you feel like you have to tiptoe, being in a relationship where you don't feel like it's a safe space to be vulnerable and share your inner world, like, these are some things that are going to end up breaking down a relationship. So being able to work on those skills of creating healthy relationship environments for deep connection, deep growth, deep intimacy, really good conversations that are open and vulnerable and authentic is incredibly important to maintaining connection, regardless of how much someone is growing or shifting or evolving, okay? So those are some some tools of how to maintain intimacy, Where I want to go next is answer some of the questions that you guys have sent me the past couple of days, especially after the events in Charlottesville, of how do we have difficult conversations 
about white privilege, white supremacy, racism, and politics with those we love when we don't see eye to eye. (laughs) This is a big one. Okay. Man, I'm getting so passionate talking about all of this relationship stuff with you. I had to interrupt our episode to tell you about a new segment that I'm doing over on my Facebook page every Friday called After the Episode. One of the things that's super important to me about Wild and Holy Radio is building community as we live our truth and create lives to honor our souls. So every Friday morning, I'll be going live to dive deeper into each week's episode, offer additional thoughts and tips, and most importantly, take your questions. Join me this Friday as we dive even deeper into this week's episode by liking my Facebook page, which I've linked to in the show notes. I will see you this Friday over on Facebook for this week's After the Episode. Oh my goodness, you guys, Wild and Holy Weekend is fast approaching and there are still a few spots left for the soulful seekers who are ready to live braver and truer to who their soul is calling them to be. On September 22nd through 24th, we'll be gathering in a beautiful home in Austin, Texas with the dreamiest backyard you could imagine to voice our dreams under the big Texas sky, hear our own inner voice amongst twinkly lights and fireflies, and remember who we are as we lounge poolside, eat good food, and join together as women. This retreat is so incredibly special. Not only will we have a personal Koya class created just for you, but we'll have a personal masseuse there to pamper you, a private chef to delight your taste buds, and a candlelit yoga class to let all of our dreamy, soulful work integrate to be our bravest selves. There are so many surprises I have planned for you, but one thing you can count on by joining me at Wild and Holy Weekend is to open to your own possibility and trust yourself more. Find out all the details on how to join me in Austin, Texas at wildandholyweekend.com. So one of the things that's really important when having a difficult conversation, and what I mean by difficult conversation is you're getting ready to explore a topic that tends to be emotionally charged for people, okay? Politics, yeah, usually very emotionally charged. Religion, talking about God, talking about people's belief systems, usually emotionally charged. Talking about something that has usually created a lot of criticism or contempt in your relationship, whether that be money or trust issues or whatever that is, that's going to be emotionally charged for people, okay? So when you're getting ready to enter into a difficult conversation like this, what is most incredibly important, which I totally screwed up (laughs) just last week, is doing some container building before you start the conversation, okay? And what I mean by container building is really kind of setting the tone for the conversation of what you want to talk about, what your intent is for having the conversation, um, when you can tap out of that conversation, like, hey, things get heated, like, let's just leave this, let's curb this. I don't want this to be um, something that we go down the rabbit hole with. Like, I just need to have, I need to have this space with you to kind of share how I'm feeling. Okay, that's container building. <laughs> so when Charlottesville events happened, okay, my life is so much on social media. Like, I have an online business, I'm on Facebook all the time. And Facebook has kind of turned into like this news source for me, right? Like when something hits, I know about it right away because I am online and have access to all this stuff. My husband, 
totally not online. He didn't even know that Charlottesville happened. Okay. So Saturday morning, you know, that Friday night had already happened. Saturday was getting ready to happen and I'm already outraged and I'm pissed off. Okay. And so the way I approached my husband was like, can you believe this stuff going on in Charlottesville? And he was like, what are you talking about? And so I angrily tell him about all of the events, all of the articles I've been reading, like all of the things that are happening. Right. And his outrage doesn't match mine. Okay. So when somebody we love's outrage doesn't match ours, it's very easy for us to make up a story that somebody does not care as much as we do. Okay. Do you see where this is going? <laughs> And where I royally screwed up is that I did not realize that I had had a whole 24 hours almost to process this, to do some digging, to do some research, to figure out how I thought and how I felt about all this, looking at both sides of the scenario. Like I had a lot of leadway going into this conversation to really understand my own feelings and perspectives on this. I basically like dropped a bomb on my husband and expected him to be in the same emotional state as I was like right off the bat. Okay. Do you see how this is setting him up <laughs> to, to fail basically to not be able to win because his outrage, like I felt like he should have been as outraged as I was. And because he wasn't, that meant something about him. Okay. You with me? Okay. So what is incredibly important when you're having a difficult conversation is you want to make sure that somebody even knows what you're talking about <laughs> before you even go there. Make sure that they're on the same page. Share some articles that you've been reading. Share some of the things that, you, that have added to your experience, that have given you the information to even have this conversation to begin with, okay? That's incredibly important because then you're both entering the conversation with the same or same-ish facts and understanding of a given situation. Okay. And if you want to have a fruitful conversation, both people need to be prepared. And one of the things that I talk about in having difficult conversations is actually inviting somebody else to the conversation instead of just diving into it, which is where I totally messed up last week. I should have invited him into this conversation. And what I mean by that is saying, Hey, so there's some events that have happened in Charlottesville um, there's a lot of things coming up for me. Like, have you been following this? Have you read anything about it? That would be a good way of inviting him to the conversation <laughs> instead of expecting him to be pissed with me and be angry with me. Okay. Here's the other thing that happens when we're talking about very charged, charged things is that we tend, so white privilege for many white people, and I can, I'll speak for me personally, it creates a lot of shame. Okay. And shame for all kinds of different reasons, but I know enough about shame to know that when I am feeling it, the, the general tendency is to discharge that shame onto somebody else. So you don't feel as shameful. Okay. And so what we usually do is we usually like try and be better than somebody else so we can feel better about ourselves. Well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Okay. The way that this gets really nasty in our personal relationships is that we do this to the people we love. We compare how better we are than to the people that we love because it's a way of discharging our shame by blaming them, okay? So what happens in a, in a lot of these conversations is when somebody does not re, uh, have the same emotional um, experience as we do, 
what we do is we make them wrong, right? So we can feel better. <laughs> and this is really hard to hold space for. It is very hard to hold space for because what you basically have to do is you have to learn how to hold your own shame instead of discharging it on somebody else or trying to make somebody feel a certain way, which we don't have the power to do. Okay. And one of the things that I think is extremely difficult about talking about racially charged things, especially with um, your spouse or a friend or um, family member who has different views on this or who um, might not have as broad of a perspective on you. Like they haven't, they haven't read as much as you. They haven't thought about this as much as you. They haven't talked to as many people as you about it. And so they might not have um, as open of a perspective or as rich of a perspective as you. And so because your expansion might be further along than theirs, we can get kind of judgy. <laughs> and one of the things that is incredibly important, I've seen this happen on social media, which is, is just tragic, is that when people aren't showing up how other people think they should, they make them wrong to make themselves feel better. And if you want to change a collective consciousness, if you want to change a collective belief, if you want to change a collective culture, the whole goal is to bring people with you, bring them with you. And when people feel blamed, when they feel less than, when they feel like they're being shamed, these people don't want to come with you. They don't. We're not creating the environment for people to come with us. We're actually creating more division. So how we handle these conversations is very, very important. Like we have to be very intentional and we have to be very clear about our intent with the conversation. Okay. And here's where I think another little rabbit hole we go down is we want this to be solved in one conversation. <laughs> and this is not these kinds of big ticket items, you guys, like God, racism, privilege, like, these are not one conversation, one and done, change your whole viewpoint, 180 things, okay? So if we go into it with that expectation, what's most likely going to ha happen when that other person does not come around to the other side like we want them to, we're going to get frustrated, we're going to get pissed, and we're going to get defensive, and most likely we're going to take it personally. And when these elements happen in a communication and in a conversation, it goes to shit real fast. <laughs> the minute somebody is, gets defensive, it is so difficult to have fruitful conversation because what happens when we are on the defense is we're, we're not listening anymore. We are defending. Okay. So when we have difficult conversations, that container building that I talked about in the, in the first part of this, if things get too heated, let's curb this and we'll come back to it later. That's incredibly important. You have to have an exit strategy, okay? Because when things get heated, we, we get angry. Um, we start to take things very personally. It starts to become like a very like vendetta. It's like a personal vendetta that we need to prove ourselves or prove our viewpoint. And what happens when we're in that state is we lose some of our emotional control. We, we lose some of our um, functional processing in our brain where we start to say things that we don't mean, we start to act out of anger. And when we are trying to build a healthy conversation to bring people with us, the last thing we wanna do is create more division by lashing out in anger and saying things we don't mean and creating hurt because then we have to go and repair that hurt just to get back to the important conversation, right? So having an exit strategy 
super, super powerful. Okay. And knowing that you're going to mess this up. I totally messed this up. Like last weekend when I was first starting to talk to Breck about it. And thankfully we came back um, that Sunday and we both kind of were like, Hey, here's kind of where I messed up with that, which, you know, when it comes to relationships, like moving to repair as quickly as possible is so crucial. And like, we were in a funk all day Saturday. Um, I was pissed. He was pissed. (laughs) It was just, it wasn't like a, you know, a happy environment for either one of us. Like I was emotionally charged about the events. I felt like he wasn't on the same page as me, which wasn't what was really going on. It's like he, he wasn't, um, he didn't have all the information to step into this space with me. And so looking at it and how we could have done that better and moved to repair as soon as we felt able to, that's another big piece of maintaining um, closeness and intimacy in your relationships because these conversations, because they're so emotionally charged, they can be hard and they can go wrong (laughs) and we're not going to do this perfectly. So not only do we have to manage this on the front end of learning how to have difficult conversations in a healthy way and, and um, contain them. I think containing these conversations is really powerful, but we also have to have that back end support of how do we repair things when things do go awry. Okay. And I see this, um, you know, really show up in my relationship with my parents. Like when we've had disagreements of how we've repaired that afterwards of saying, you know, I said some things that I didn't mean, I'm sorry that got out of control. This is how this made me feel. So communicating, giving people more information for how to do this better with you in the future, and also acknowledging how you could have done it better yourself. Healthy relationships take ownership. It takes ownership of what you felt, what you did, why, and giving giving more information for this to go better in the future. And by you owning your stuff, it doesn't mean that necessarily somebody else is. I'm sure we've all had those relationships where we've owned our part in things and the other person hasn't. But what it does do is it helps you build relationships where you are in integrity with yourself, okay? And if we can do that, we are going to create um, a different landscape or a different environment for us for what we will and will not settle for. So if we continue to stay in integrity with our relationships and other people do not join us, that relationship is going to start to feel very off kilter and we might have to start putting up some boundaries around that in order to protect our heart, okay? So... That's a whole nother rabbit hole. <laughs> so I wanted this conversation, this podcast episode to be very action oriented, like how we actually move through this stuff. These, these conversations are important to have. And I know that if you have been awakened um, to any degree over the recent events in Charlottesville, these are conversations that you're probably warming up to having with people that you love. And they're not always easy. And I think what's incredibly important is understanding that people are um, an agent of change in their own way, that it's not always going to look the same for some people or for everybody. So just because um, you don't have a social media status update about this stuff doesn't necessarily mean you're being silent. You might be talking to people offline. You might be talking to your kids. You might be talking to your spouse. You might be talking to your family member. And that surely is not silence, right? And I think for me, the thing that is most important right now is to watch the judgment and how we're trying to discharge shame um, by creating more division between people who are on the same side. That's what's incredibly important to me. And on a more personal level, how do we do this in our intimate relationships with the people that we love most? Because I know for most of us, we don't want these big things to come between people 
that we love. We, we want to find common ground. We want to um, be fighting on the same team. And in order to do that, we have to bring people into conversation with us. And in order to bring people into conversation, you have to create an environment where people want to be there. And we have a lot of control in how we do that. So this is a lot to talk about today. And I'm feeling, I just kind of want to sink into this. (laughs) The way we choose to relate to each other and the way we choose to relate to ourselves is so incredibly important with how we choose to relate to the world. And I think learning how to build in healthy relationship skills, how to stay in a relationship if it's healthy for you to do, how to have difficult conversations is all a big part of that. But to bring it back to our topic of spiritual expansion, you are here to expand. That's what you're here to do. You're here to wake up. You're here to be an agent of love. You're here to be an agent of change. You're here to live into your authentic truth. And that is going to require you to expand and evolve. So how to create relationships that give you the freedom, the permission, and the safe space to do that, I think is incredibly, incredibly helpful. Because I know for us, we have to feel like we are loved, accepted, and that we belong. And the way that we get those needs met, we can do a lot of that internally. Feeling like you accept yourself is huge. Feeling like you belong with yourself is huge. Loving yourself. There is never going to be anything that suffices for that. But we all need other people around us too. Okay? That's how humans work. We're meant for connection. So building healthy relationships that support your expansion, incredibly important. So I want to hear from you guys. I know some of you have been having these conversations because you've reached out to me. (laughs) You're like, how do I do this better? Because this didn't go so well. And I hope that this episode was helpful. And if you have tips for how to have these difficult conversations, something that you have found helpful, please share that because our collective wisdom helps all of us, helps all of us grow and nurture our own relationship skills so we can do this better. And I think by growing in in this way, growing in this skill set, oh my goodness, like if we could build healthier relationships, each and every single one of us, like our world would transform. So yeah, I want to hear from you. So let me know what stuck, what resonated, what your takeaways are. If any of this was helpful, I hope that a lot of it was. (laughs) And let's continue on this journey of spiritual growth and, and living our truth and creating lives to honor our soul. I will see you guys next week for another episode on Wild and Holy Radio.